Welcome back, folks. Brews and Belters podcast, season two, episode 12. Uh, Keegan Gowitz joined, as always, with the legend, the prolific Tobias Hinefeld. Um, he's trying. That's, that's cheering. Oh, all right, all right. He made inaudible cheering. Uh, the intro's ruined, but no. Welcome back to the Brews and Belters podcast, where we talk all things soccer while sipping on some of our favorite local brews. Toby, what are you drinking tonight? Keegan, tonight I have a Orange Door Double Dry Hopped IPA from a brewery that I've been getting down on recently, a Sketchbook. Uh, they're mm-hmm. out of Evanston, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Evanston, Illinois. Um, yeah, pretty good IPA. They do the Tall Boy cans, four packs that are like astronomically high priced, but that's kind of the way uh, beer is nowadays. So mm-hmm. yeah, pretty good. What are you drinking on? Nice, nice. <laughs> Uh, I've got a Hefeweizen from uh, another repeat brewery, um, Milwaukee Brewing Co. They're right next door to my place of employment. Um, This is their German series, classic German-style Hefeweizen, light and approachable. Um, It's just a 5%er, so nothing too crazy, but pretty tasty beer. Tonight, we're going to get into... uh, Primarily World Cup qualifiers. I know we've got a handful of highlights on on specific matches or specific instances within matches, but uh, we're going to run through the state of CONCACAF um, with USMNT being in action this past week, a couple big performances, and then uh, we'll just run through each region, kind of where things stand as things are starting to get wrapped up, and even you know in Europe. Um, a handful of teams who have already punched their ticket. So without any further ado, Toby, do you want to kick us off here with CONCACAF? Hell, hell yeah, of course I do, especially when it comes to CONCACAF. Um, <clears throat> the CONCACAF gets weirder by the minute. Uh, they having the top teams uh, drop points, guys sliding all over the place, Jamaica making a quick push. Um, CONCACAF is also going to start using VAR come January 1st, so the... Uh, the next couple rounds of World Cup qualifying are going to be that much more interesting because I think there was at least one goal and one uh, incorrect call made each game that I watched between either them or it'd be like Mexico and Costa Rica. You know, it didn't matter. Um, it was just awful officiating all around, and they need VAR to kind of keep everyone in balance. And um, it, really quickly, we have discussed this too in the past when we were discussing the structure of World Cup qualifiers. The reason it's not implemented for those who may not know or didn't didn't hear that episode uh, is because certain nations can't afford the technology to implement the technology. Um, and I think we booed actually FIFA for that because an entity with that much money and that much power, you would imagine the handful of nations qualifying, maybe they could give them a little help in, you know, if you've got one stadium that you're going to play your qualifiers at, maybe just implement it at that one stadium. But anyway, that is the explanation for Novar um, across the board is because a, a lot of nations can't afford that technology. Continue. Sorry. No, thanks, Keeks. So, I mean, let's get right into it. So Friday night, big 8 p.m. Central time kickoff. King, where were you for that game? Were you at the house or did you go out? Uh, Jack and I actually went to the Highbury with a handful. That's a, a bar here in in uh, Milwaukee, big soccer bar, huge crowd. Um, it was a mainly uh, 
mainly American or was there a lot uh, of Mexican good, bands? Or? Good mix, but primarily American, uh, but a pretty, yeah. pretty good mix too. This is known, I guess, as a place that a lot of uh, USMNT fans will go for international matches and a, a, a usually pro- draws a pretty good Mexico crowd as well. So uh, nice. we, we, we chose that spot um, with purpose and it didn't disappoint uh energy was electric we had a good group of buddies and and yeah it was it was a blast nice so 2-0 usa over mexico dose cero it was here um that win felt way bigger than what i think it was um i think it was the first time that this group together got a collective win even without gio reyna and serginio des probably two of their top four players um, even without them, they got the win. Um, yeah, it was a home game. Yeah, it was in the cold-ass Cincinnati where, you know, a lot of the Mexican players aren't used to playing in that cold of temperatures. Um, so, yeah, they had a lot going for them. But with that being said, they still picked up the win. Um, very, very, very shaky first half. Uh, there was a few things last week when we were kind of highlighting and uh, saying what we expected. There was three things that we wanted checked off, and first and foremost was Brendan Aronson and Ricardo Pepe playing forwards up top. We got that. Uh, they looked good. Ricardo Pepe just didn't have the finishing touch, but he had some good hold-up play that I haven't seen from him. And uh, Brendan Aronson is like a little spark plug out there. He is. He's. I think he's three years from now. He is going to be like with, when it comes to the World Cup and everything. He's going to be one of the reasons why. The USA is as good as they are because they need players like that that can score, can control the ball, and then also are not afraid to press high and get right in the defender's face when they're trying to play out of the backfield. So that was one check on the box. Next one is uh, we wanted Christian Pulisic to come in in the 65th minute and get like 15 to 25 minutes in, and he did. And uh, it paid off dividends, you know, within the first three minutes of him being in. He was the only one to attack a ball from a, uh, from a Timothy Weah, who, in my opinion, during this window of Jamaica and Mexico, he was the best player on the pitch for the USA, to yeah. the point where I think, I, I, I truly think that he is a must-start on that right side. Absolutely. Um, I mean, yeah, he's going to have to compete with Gio Reyna and whoever else might be sliding in there. But as of right now, I think that's his spot to lose until someone takes it from him or someone gets extra healthy like Gio Reyna. Um, so that's two. Third one, this is used Keeks. We got our boy Anthony Robinson, who at times looked like one of the better players on the field and at times looked like the worst player on the field. He couldn't string passes together, couldn't dribble. But then there's other times his closing, him closing on the defender or him cutting off a pass on a different lane that was taken for a through ball or whatever. Um, he showed it on both sides where he is – he is technically smart when it comes to playing offense and then getting back on the defense. Um, but I just feel like he's not always all there. Uh, <laughs> um, so there was the three boxes that we wanted checked. And yeah, we got all three of them. Uh, Greg Berhalter, I've continually talked about the way that he constructs his roster and how I don't always agree with it. But I think this window, he got it right, especially for the players that he had. Um, even the Jamaican game, I thought he played a good roster that I was fine with everything. Uh, they played uh, Gianluco Busio, who's been playing in uh, Syria and Italy. Um, so they played him against uh, Jamaica. So they were able to get a lot of uh, players with that. You got Christian Pulisic scoring the first goal to kind of open up everything. Uh, wearing the man in the mirror. Uh, shout out Michael Jackson. Probably getting the most run for his uh, for his money on Spotify the last week after that. Uh, 
I don't know. Keegs, what stood out to you? I mean, Mexico yeah. looked good, but they looked flat-footed. They kind of just relied on, I guess, breaking through a press very quickly and playing Jimenez and then dishing the Lozano on the wing or, you know, whoever else is playing on that right side. And I, they just – Mexico didn't look as scary as they usually do, I guess. Yeah, and one, I think Halter gave people the, the roster that we want to see and need to see if they want to compete and be the best version of the USMNT. I think that is the best version. Obviously, Reyna can still get healthy and so on, but I do think that's the best through-and-through through roster that we've seen. Um, USMNT didn't come out and go at Mexico from the get-go, like you said, kind of slow first half. But I do like that, one, the roster was right, and two, in the second half, they fought. Like, they, they took it to Mexico and they fought. I feel like that's what they need to do. Like, I was I was interested to see how they did in a high-stakes game. It doesn't feel like they've gone out and attacked somebody or, like, really gone for the win against a team. It doesn't feel like they've really put the pressure on anybody. Uh, very occasionally, we've seen it, but... Obviously, with this being a high-stakes match in the standings and just a big rivalry and intense match in general, I like that they went at them in the second half and had a chip on their shoulder and had a little bit of edge to them. And, uh, you know, I, I especially like that they got a second goal on top of Pulisic's goal. Um, they didn't just let up or defend. They came back and got another goal as well. So I thought that they just seemed a little bit more business oriented I guess like go in there and take care of business don't just kind of see what happens don't be timid like make this a win don't don't let the result come to you like go out and get the result um and even against Jamaica I mean they created chances like you mentioned Busio almost had a belter um you know letting guys get some playing time but also still looking dangerous and having chances Aronson had some chances um back to your point about him Right now, he might not be the guy, like the guy on the team, but he has all the makings of being the guy. Um, He's like 18, too, I'm pretty sure. He's a teenager. So. Right, right. So whether it's for the club or country, I mean, I expect it to be for both in the future, but like he has that, he's cut from that cloth where he will be the guy. Like he has that playmaker mentality. He had, He's fearless. Uh, you said he's a spark plug. He is. Like he brings so much energy. And he's just fearless. Uh, so I love watching him play. Timothy Weo was phenomenal as well during this window. I think he's a must start as well in big matches. And, you know, you mentioned Reyna. That's the thing about both of these guys. They could drop back from, from a winger position into more of a midfield-oriented position if they needed to. I think they have that ability. So I think there's room for both of them on the pitch. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Weo proved his worth. He's proved his worth in in Ligue over the last couple of years as well. Like he's he's phenomenal. So with last week, you were talking. We we pretty much said it's going to be two one someone is what we were thinking. We didn't know who, and you said that it would be the midfielders. Whoever controlled the midfield would get the game. And do you think that happened with Tyler Adams and Weston McKinney in the center? Yeah, and that was a big talking point too throughout the week. Was like this was the first time. The, that, that kind of big three had been back out on the pitch together in a while with Pulisic, um, McKenney, and Adams. And I, I did think that they played really well in the middle together. I think they 
complement each other well. McKinney's super talented, sometimes can lose his head a little bit, make some stupid plays, whereas Adams, I think, typically is a little bit more mature of the two. I think he's might be the smartest player on the pitch for USMNT uh, 99% of the time. So I do think that's a big part of it. Um, I'm not sure Mexico in the middle were really as composed uh, and you saw it against Canada as well I don't I don't know that they were as composed as maybe they're capable of but you know that's part of the game as well it's not just what you do on the ball or or defensively it's it's that pressure that you bring and I think uh, the U.S. put some pressure on Mexico and and kind of threw them off kilter so yeah and McKinney did pick up a yellow card meaning that he missed the game against Jamaica which was played yesterday to a 1-1 draw um do you think that Aronson in the game was tackled and then he was kind of stepped over, which, I mean, it was happening both ways. I, I know uh, DeAndre Yedlin uh, fouled someone and then stepped over him, like, to make a point, you know, like, and so the there's a Mexican defender who did the same thing to Aronson, but then reached down and, like, kind of, like, goal-grabbed him by his, like, forehead. Um, they didn't call any card or anything on it. But with, I think, VAR, they probably would have called something. Do you think that would have been a red card had that been VAR? Or do you think that was more just a yellow card, get it out? Yeah, I think yellow, probably. I don't know. I mean, so much of this is up to the referee's discretion, too, and the VAR team's discretion in a case like that. I, you know, I don't think there's, like, a clear-cut rule for a scenario like that. So, I don't know. I mean, in my eyes, it's like, all right, like, give them a stern warning. Be like, you know tell him to not be a fucking idiot because next time it's going to be a red and move yeah. on. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it just depends on the referee. To me, that's a yellow, but. So Jamaica think? USA went 1-1. USA got a quick goal. Uh, but honestly, they really only played one good half of the, of the two games, you know, and that was the second half against Mexico. Um, with Jamaica, they finally got, you know, Bay, uh, they got Bailey back, and then they had uh, Mikel Antonio, who's coming on pretty good with, uh, I think that was his third goal. He had a howler of a belter. Um, I mean, I, I'm assuming you're going to say yes, but is he the best striker in CONCACAF? You'd have to say, yeah, or what did you? Like, there's no one from USA, maybe Jimenez. Yeah, but right now, just with Jimenez missing so much of the last year, um I think right now, yeah. At, yeah. at at this moment, yeah. It's scary that they just, like, pulled him out of, like, a, you know, just out of nowhere. And they're like, oh, we have this new guy. He's one of the best strikers in the Premier League. Yeah. And he's going to play for us. So, uh, the USA looked good, but they didn't look great against Jamaica. Jamaica stands sixth in CONCACAF table right now with seven points. Uh, ahead of them is Costa Rica. And then the fourth and the playoff spot is Panama. And then the three at-large bids for the World Cup right now is Mexico in third with 14, 15 points is USA. And then in the lead is with 16 points is Canada. Canada got a huge win yesterday against Mexico. Uh, it was everything that you would picture seeing a Mexican team go to Canada and play in inches of snow. Um Mexico just looked like they didn't really want to be there, and mm. Canada did. Like, there was even a celly that they did where the dudes were diving into the snowbanks. Like, st- so Canadian. Uh, 
I think last week I said the Bayern Bundesliga beast from Canada because I could not remember Alfonso Davies' name. Uh, but uh, that, it just rolls now. Bayern Bundesliga beast. Uh, but Alfonso Davies, compared to his normal position at a back or wing back position, he kind of plays more of a forward position for Canada and just kind of sits in the middle. He does track back and play defense, but he's not like in his normal position. And I actually find it more fun and he's, he's awesome at it. Like he could probably play a straightforward position. He's that fast and has that good a ball control. Um, so I, yeah, I don't know. Like I think Canada, I don't think they're number one. I still think the U S and even Mexico are better than Canada, but for them to get this many points, uh, it's pretty big for them. And I mean, I would assume this next game, I don't know who they play next, but Drake is probably going to be on the sideline. He's got to be, and then they'll lose. They'll get the Drake curse, and they'll lose. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully for their sake, Drake's wearing like a. Uh, they play Honduras and then USA. I actually truly wouldn't be surprised to see him at the USA game just for the hype. But um, yeah, hopefully whoever they play for their sake, he's wearing the other team's jersey, and the the curse backfires and Canada wins. But um, yeah, I've been really impressed with Canada. They've got the job done in the back. Their goalkeeper Borian. Uh, had a couple phenomenal goal line saves against Mexico uh, to keep the, the advantage there and get the three points there at the end. Mexico had several chances there in the last four or five minutes. Um, on top of that, Tejan Buchanan has looked really dangerous as well. New England Revolution player on loan from Club Bruges. Uh, and then Kyle Lahren had two goals in the Canada-Mexico match. Second one, he, he just beat everyone to the ball off a set, set piece. Awful in the back from Mexico. Again, like you mentioned, they, they kind of looked like they didn't want to be there. I don't know if it was the weather or, or just exhausted or what. But it like their line kind of drifted with the ball at first. So they definitely weren't holding their line entirely. You know, they were drifting with the ball. But all of them took like two steps back. And he just kept going. Really good touch. And... Uh, and then, yeah, like you said, they celebrated in the snow, which was fucking awesome. Um, but he leads CONCACAF right now with 11 goals in eight matches, Kyle Lahren. That's um, impressive. Yeah, so really good start for them. I mean, obviously they're popping goals in. Just 11 goals from one player is, is nuts in eight matches. Um, and defensively they're getting the job done with you know their keeper making some saves and and just doing what they have to do to get points so uh good on them being being at you know first right now and u.s and mexico shortly behind them there's four matches left for each team so uh those three are in are in pretty good places but like you said uh panama's right behind them and then uh you got costa rica creeping up with nine points as well and you know, there's there's still a lot of points to be had, 12 points on the board potentially for each team. So things could change. Um, I wouldn't expect to see those three drop out, but you never know. I mean, we've, we've seen just USMNT and Mexico, for example, each window brings something new. You know, Mexico looked phenomenal coming into this window and, and didn't get results in, in either match. So um, yeah. we'll see what happens moving forward. And that's CONCACAF, baby. That is CONCACAF. Moving on to Europe. All right. So this is where things get crazy um, because not everything is as straightforward as the standings in CONCACAF. So in Europe, they've played through their, their normal rounds um, with each group. So 
the first place team from each group moves forward and they are qualified for the World Cup. So currently, in addition to Qatar, who is qualified for being the home nation, and then Brazil and Argentina, who have qualified through Comet Ball, out of Europe, we have Germany, Denmark, Belgium, Netherlands, England, Serbia, Switzerland, Spain, France, and Croatia who have qualified. Um, the second place teams from each of those groups go into a playoff pot. And uh, those teams are Turkey, Poland, North Macedonia, Ukraine, and then the top two ranked Nations League teams, which are Austria and the Czech Republic. So, uh, a draw will take place November 26 for these matchups. Um, of the six matchups, there will be three paths for the six winning teams to play one another, and then eventually we will get our two teams that will advance out of the playoff. Um, Kind of an interesting tidbit here for political reasons. A match between Russia and Ukraine is prohibited. If they were drawn against each other, they would have to redraw, and they actually can't even be drawn into the same potential path or like bracket um, because they they just can't set that match up. And, and I guess I, I figured that it would just be played at a neutral site, um, but they won't even let them play against each other, which yeah. will be interesting if those two teams were to be the two that advanced out of the playoff, I I wonder what they would do for the World Cup itself. So I'm not sure there, but all I know is that they can't be drawn into the same bracket or path. Um, yeah, no, I mean, that makes sense, especially with all the political. I'm pretty sure, like, with one of the games, there was, like, some Ukrainian fans who had a upside-down flag um, with some stuff on it, and I think they took that as, like, the Russian flag, but it ended up it wasn't. There was, like, a bunch of drama. So, yeah, I mean, you're always going to get stuff like that. You're, I mean, it's the nastiness, especially in the random parts of Eastern Europe where things are, like, the Wild West, I feel like. Um, is there any one of those teams that kind of, besides Serbia, of course, like, for them popping Portugal like they did, uh, I loved it. Like, I thought it was great. They, they stole points from Portugal and pretty much made it that Portugal has to be in the playoff. And so they might not even make it in the World Cup. You know, this is probably Cristiano Ronaldo's last legit World Cup, and he might not even be in it. Yeah. Know, based on the playoff. Also, I, I want to clarify really quick. Um, there were teams that that I, for some reason, I have them on my list, and I just forgot to mention them. So the, the, the playoff teams are Portugal, Sweden, Italy, Wales, Scotland, Turkey, Russia, Poland, North Macedonia, and then you have Austria and Czech Republic. Um, I just like cut myself off there, so uh, didn't mean to leave them out. No, yeah, you're fine. Pretty much, pretty much every team you said has one to two really good players, yeah. and then just a bunch of shit around them. Pretty much, with the exception of Italy and Portugal, I think they're the two that. It, it it's a little bit surprising, oh. and and those are the two that you know Switzerland and and um, um, Serbia are in, who have advanced through their bracket. And Serbia and Switzerland are solid teams. It's just you wouldn't have expected them to make it out over Italy and Portugal. So Italy tends to have a, a history with performing really well in a big international tournament and then shitting the bed. 
So I wouldn't be surprised to see them not get through. It would be really crushing, but uh, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised. And Portugal has just been really wishy-washy. I mean, even in the Euros, I I had huge expectations for them in the Euros, and they were bad. So we'll see. I'm, I'm not really sure what the deal is there. They have so many good players, and it's kind of a mix of generations where obviously you have one of the one of the greatest players of all time, if not the greatest, mixing in with these sort of up-and-coming Renato Sanchez, Joao Felix, uh, even Bruno Fernandes, who's really like amplified his status. I, Joao Cancelo, you know, I wonder if there is some uh, just like butting of heads or mixing of egos. It feels like you've got Ronaldo, who's been there obviously forever, the talisman of the nation, the, the, one of the key figures in international football. And then you've got like all these younger guys, Ruben Neves, you know, you've got all these younger, this new generation coming in and maybe trying to mix and mingle with him. Um, and I don't know, I'm, I'm just speculating, but it seems like something's off. Like they, they just can't click. So, so, I mean, if we had to give three spots up, I'm most likely going to give the first two to Italy and Portugal, unless they have to play each other, then one of them's probably going to get fucked along the way. But if they don't have to play each other right off the back, I assume both of them to get in. And then that kind of leaves, kind of, it sounds bad saying this, but like the second tier countries. Um, So Poland, you know, can they get enough from King Louis? Can he like score enough goals to keep them in? I would assume it'd be Poland, Wales with Gareth Bale, with everyone that Wales has a pretty solid team. And then my darlings of the entire group and the entire UEFA is Scotland. It's always going to be Scotland. And I would assume it'd be one of those three, but... I mean, there's there's some pretty good talent, and even like when you get into some of the smaller, like even Ukraine, for instance, has some pretty good players. You know, like they yeah. everyone has or two good players. Sweden does. I don't know much about Turkey. Russia is Russia, and so is North Macedonia. But yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of talent in this little playoff, and it's what is it? Uh, three spots that they're giving up in March. I want to say they're having like a little playing. So. Is there anyone else that you would that you would think of, like Scotland or Wales or what? So, yeah, I mean, I also have a, a soft spot. I like Scotland. They didn't perform well in the Euros. I'd love to see them make a little run. Um, I mean, Turkey does have some talent. Kalinoyu, um, Pjanic, um, dude who was at Everton, I can't think of his name, didn't really show up when he went there. But, uh, I mean, they've got some players... Austria even has some players. They played well on the World Cup. Ukraine made a run in the, World, or in the Euros. Excuse me. Um, Ukraine made a run in the Euros. Sweden made a run in the Euros. Like, There's just so much talent in Europe that it's a shame. I mean, they get 12, 13 spots, and it still feels like that's not enough. So, uh, yeah. Well, I, here's, I, what they, here's what I do know, Keek. Sorry to cut you off, but Timu Puki and... Finland are not in it because they were eliminated by France, duo. Uh, Benzema and Mbappe, probably right now the two best forward combination when it comes to uh, national play, when it comes to country play. Um, And then Croatia, who won the last World Cup, is back on an own goal from Russia. Russia had an own goal, sloppy goal from the back, and Croatia snuck in. So they're an automatic bid in the the top ten. Two other people that I was kind of highlighting when I was uh, going over all this was uh, Erling Haaland, who is by far one of the up-and-coming studs of the world. Um, Plays for Norway. They were dispatched by the Dutch, uh, Memphis Depay, and then my Stevie Bergwijn of Tottenham Hotspur. 
uh, took him out. Uh, I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of upset talking about this and not seeing enough Instagram posts from Memphis Depay, especially the ones that he like pays a marketing company to make for him. I was expecting more from that. And then, I mean, we've gone 30 minutes and I've yet to even say that Harry Kane has seven goals in one week. Like, are you kidding me? I don't against, even know who he played. It doesn't matter. Keegan against doesn't. San Marino, who, which is a, literally like a city in Italy. That is, it, it's a nation. It's a city state well, in Italy. It's 36,000 people in the whole country. Just like Kane dismantled that entire city of 36,000 people's team, he, he's going to do the same thing with Wayne Rooney and all of his England records. Like, Kane is going to be sitting number one on a golden throne for the rest of his life. Um, yeah, I don't. Uh, UEFA is awesome. It's like, it's way head and shoulders above every other. Uh, Nations League, uh, whether it be like the Asian or the the African or the Central America or the North America, like there's so much going on in that. Um, I just I don't know who's going to win any of these games because like you never know with Poland, like how good they can be or how good a Wales can be. It's all it's how hot they are and how healthy they are with uh, the games coming up with the Premier League this week. Right. It's it's just way too much. Um... And yeah, uh, you mentioned Kane. Um, he passed Gary Lineker for for goal tally, um, international goal tally for for England. And Lineker just had some really good tweets. He's a great follow on Twitter for anyone who's a fan of the game or especially trying to get into the game. Really good follow. But he just someone tweeted at him like, "How do you feel about it?" And he's like, "Honestly, I love seeing players pass me." Um, in stats because it it reminds me and it reminds younger viewers who never got to watch me that I'm not just an old guy eating potato crisps or what he said something like that uh, uh which was I thought was funny he's a super good follow but yeah Kane tore it up uh Trent Alexander-Arnold by the way four assists in that match so uh they put up 10 goals to be fair um it was a thrashing but yeah, I mean, UEFA, a cut above as far as quality goes. But, yeah, just way too many games. Uh, we've got some good matches in the Premier League that we'll get to later coming up this weekend, but it's just so much um, for these players, which we've we've touched on many, many times. But moving forward to some other um, – well, actually, I guess who, who would be your favorites out of the teams who have qualified already? Who do you like? Um – I don't even. I'm not, the team I really want isn't. It, that would be England. I think that they deserve it. Yeah. But and the, if there was ever a time for them, this is it. But with that being said, traditionally, whenever there is a time for England, they shit the bed. So I expect them to shit the bed. And I, I'm gonna go with Spain or France. Like France was on a downturn. They don't have Paul Pogba, but they're still legit, especially yeah. up front. Phenomenal. They got a ton going for them. Spain's always Spain. Like I don't care how bad Barcelona and Real Madrid are. You get that collective group together, and they're always going to be good, especially if uh, Busquets can stay healthy and kind of man them uh, through the middle and the back. Yeah, yeah. Their, their, their blend of new talent with some of these older staples like Busquets has been really impressive. The way um, going into the Euros, I didn't really have any expectations for them, and they played well. Um and they've continued to just get better and better every time I've seen them play. Um, so I think that's a good sleeper. Uh, 
I don't know. Like you said, it's tough to pick a team because it feels like anytime we we pick someone to do well or they seem to be trending in the right direction, I don't know if we jinx them or if that's just the natural path of soccer. But, um, I mean, my favorites, England and France, are up there. Uh, On top of that, Netherlands, I think, have all the weapons. They've got a solid midfield. De Jong is getting to that. You know, he's 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 been solidified at Barcelona for a couple of years now. He's getting he's still super young, but he's getting that maturity under him where he can be that talisman in the middle. They got a box to box guy like Genie next to him. In the back, they got options between Ake and Delic to go with uh, the greatest defender in the world right now, Virgil Van Dyke. Um, they've got Dumfries providing speed on the outside, Bergwijn, and then Memphis Depay up top, who, you know, Harry Kane led all goal scorers in the round with 12 goals, or up to this point with 12 goals, um, in Memphis. Bumsling. We call that bumsling in the business. Seven goals against bums. Well, Memphis Depay has 12 as well, and they weren't playing bums, so... Uh, I mean, he's playing well. I'm, I'm just really interested to see what they do moving forward. I, I think that they have the quality. It's just they have to perform. They have to stay healthy. I think having Van Dyke back is huge. Obviously, he missed the, the Euros. So, I'm really so is the same old, same old when it comes to Germany and Belgium? Like we're glazing over him right now? Well, no. I think Germany, I don't know if they're good enough right now. Um, I think Kimmich is their talisman and on top of I mean he's like 26 27 but he has the experience of like a 40 year old uh just because of the talent he's played with at Bayern and in Germany I mean he was in so many of those German successful German sides at like 18 19 years old but I I don't know I maybe I'll be proven wrong Havertz has played really well for Chelsea I think I think he's top quality um but I, I don't know about, like, Werner, um, Sané, uh, Nabry. Like, I don't know about those guys on an international level. I'm not sold on them. They haven't proven that they're at that same caliber as the the talent that Fr- France has, the talent that um, England has. I mean, I, I, there's just too much uncertainty there for me. Belgium, I think this is their last chance. We said it in the Euros as well, but you know they still have that core, and it just feels like this is their last shot to do something special with this really, really special group. I still don't think, with the exception of Kevin De Bruyne and Lukaku, I don't think they have enough around them to really jump off a page compared to an England or a Netherlands or France, um, or even a Portugal for that matter. So it all just depends on who shows up and who stays healthy. We've still got a lot of time, but I don't really put Germany and Belgium in that same boat unless unless Belgium is playing their absolute best. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, so moving forward, um, Asian qualifiers... Well, I, I want to run through really quick the other regions as well. Um, the Asian oh, yeah. qualifiers are about halfway through right now. Uh, Iran and uh, South Korea lead Group A pretty handily. 
They're up by like eight points. Um, and then Saudi Arabia League Group B, followed by Japan and Australia pretty closely. Africa's moving on to the third round. So there are 10 matches, um, 10 teams remaining. Um, it, no, I'm sorry, 20 teams remaining. 10 matches, um, five winners of those 10 matches will advance. And then... My math might be wrong there. There's ten matches left. The five winners will advance out of Africa. Of you just blacked teams. me out. You just blacked me out. I'm like, beep, 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 beep. Too, much math. Too much math. Five winners <laughs> of these ten matches will advance. Uh, the teams left are Algeria, Cameroon, Democratic Republic of Congo, Egypt, Ghana, Mali, Morocco, Nigeria, Senegal, and Tunisia. Um... What a list. What yeah. a list. And I think that's a draw. So I really hope some of those super talented countries don't get paired against each other. Obviously, would love to see Algeria. Um, Nigeria absolutely want to see in the World Cup. It'd be it'd be bogus if they didn't make they it. They have the freshest kits. Nigeria freshest is. kits. And they're just raw, dude. They got so much talent, too. Um, Senegal, Egypt, like a ton of, a ton of talent. Mm-hmm. Coming out of Africa, so um, looking forward to seeing who advances there. And then CONMEBOL, Brazil, and Argentina are through. Two matches left for each team. Um, Colombia and Ecuador have 17 points each. Peru and Chile are right behind them with 16, and then Uruguay has 15. So two of these remaining teams will get in, and then one will go to the Intercontinental Playoff with um, the teams from Oceania that inter. Intercontinental playoff obviously hasn't occurred yet, so none of these teams have played yet, but it's New Zealand, Samoa, Fiji, Tahiti, New Caledonia, Solomon Islands, Vanuatu, Papua New Guinea, American Samoa, Tonga, and Cook Islands. So that wraps everything up. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And then Premier League this week, uh, quick little preview. What you looking forward to? Uh, two things, uh, technically three, but I'm going to just give you two for now. Right. Uh, first and foremost is one player to watch. He just got a Premier League, uh, he's got called up um, to England. Uh, that's Connor Gallagher, Chelsea player on loan at Crystal Palace, been playing like a beast. Um, never really noticed him that much uh, until like this. I mean, he's only been playing, I think, this year with Crystal Palace, but never really noticed him until now. Um, He's a pretty good player, though, and pretty solid. I'm happy he got some uh, time with England uh, during this window. Uh, They're playing Burnley, so I look forward to that. Um, And then the main game that I think is probably the best game for top four ramifications is going to be Arsenal-Liverpool on Saturday. But the game I'm most interested in watching is going to be Chelsea and Leicester. Uh, Two of my favorite players in Premier League, uh, Harvey Barnes and then Christian Pulisic, the USA Minnesota uh, national team player. Uh, they're both healthy, and they're both going to be playing probably, I'm assuming, probably pretty big minutes. Yeah, also looking forward to Leicester-Chelsea. Uh, love a good 6.30 matchup. I usually will try to wake up and watch that no matter what, but it just makes it so much better when there's two really good teams playing each other. Yeah. As you mentioned, love Crystal Palace. Love what Gallagher's doing. Um, happy that he got the shout at the international level. And then along with him, um, Emil Smith-Rowe got called up, got a goal against San Marino. Arsenal and Liverpool play Saturday at 11.30 to round up a a busy day 
most of the matches this week are Saturday at 9 a.m. Uh, Central Time. And then um, Sunday, there's only two matches, Man City versus Everton, which I'm kind of interested. I mean, I assume City will handle them, but I'm interested to watch that. And then I think Tottenham Leeds will be a good one as well at 10.30 on Sunday. I'm pretty scared about that. I'm not going to lie. Leeds always scares me, and Rafinha's in form right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw all the Brazilian boys on a, a picture of all of them on a private jet heading back uh, over yeah. to England. So, yeah. Well, not all of them. You know, I think it was just like the, the popular guys. <laughs> <laughs> There's no Emerson Royale, who's a Tottenham guy who plays for Brazil. Like, I don't think he was on that plane. That's that was true. like Allison, Emerson, and a bunch of other, like, Fred, Fred, Rafina, Fabino, Alison, yeah, 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 a little bit of everyone. So. You're right, yeah. It was just uh, no, I'm, I'm excited for that game. Uh, I, I just don't know about that Liverpool Arsenal game, man. Arsenal, I still, they've been so hot recently, but I just, I just question them. I don't know. It's a huge match, I think, because Liverpool haven't been playing quite as well over these last couple weeks after a crazy run of form. Arsenal have yeah. been playing super well, so it's just a big match. I mean, it's an opportunity for Liverpool to get back, get some momentum back, um, and it's an opportunity for Arsenal to continue their momentum and, and get a huge, huge, huge win. Not to mention yeah. the table's really tight right now. Um, they both, respectively, Liverpool's at four with 22 points and Arsenal's at five with 20. So... Enormous match for the league. Um, West Ham has West Ham's in third with twenty three, and they've got Wolves. They should handle them. So probably won't be any movement up um, for either of those two uh, beyond fourth place. But I mean, when you got four versus five, and it's Arsenal versus Liverpool, it's a huge match. And when you look at the trajectory of both these teams over the last couple weeks, um, it just raises the stakes even more. So. Let's move on to Belters, Boos, and Cheers. What you've got? So I have a boo. Let's get the negativity out of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine is for not qualifying for the World Cup, Ivory Coast. Um, I I fell in love with Ivory Coast. I think it was 2014 when they had Didier Drogba and uh, Yaya Torre playing at the same time. Like, that team was awesome. Like, they were so good. Their Solomon jerseys were awesome. Like, Dude, they were stacked, yeah. Orange, white, and green, like, that, so good. Like, they were such a good team, and it just sucks that they didn't qualify. Like, I don't know how good they are this year. I don't even know. I only know, like, one or two players that are from the Ivory Coast, but I'm assuming that they had to have had some talent down there, and, like, for them not to qualify just sucks, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's a huge bummer. What do you got to uh, cheers back up? My cheer is for uh, the atmosphere in Cincinnati. Um, that was pretty awesome. Watching it, not, you know, I was watching it live on TV. I wasn't there, but the atmosphere was, I mean, it came through the TV. Like, it sounded like it. It was awesome. They they booed. They had, they still have cheesy-ass cheers, but they had some pretty good ones in there as well. Um, yeah, good outcome. Yeah, it was good time Friday night. Yeah, absolutely. And Belter, what do you got? Oof. This is for Mikel Antonio. I hate to even do this against my USMNT, but his goal was first class. It was it was him creating a spirit bomb with his right leg. And 
instead of calling on everyone, he pretty much called on all Jamaican English people and brought all that power in and just belted that thing upper 90. It was a moonshot from, I don't even know how far it was outside the 18, but it was outside the 18 by a distance. And he just got a hold of it, and that's why he makes the big bucks and why everyone in Jamaica loves that guy. Like, all of Jamaica has probably one, one Premier League bar, and it's a West Ham bar right now. Like, like the one bar on the island is a West Ham bar. So. We're going to have to do some market research there. Next, <laughs> next, yeah, next no, week's... That, that is not true. Maybe. Next, next week's episode, we're going to Jamaica and hopping around. Soccer bar. What about you? Um, I didn't have any booze, so I guess I'll just hop on your Ivory Coast one, just so everyone knows. Um, they do still have a fuck ton of talent. So Sebastian Holler at forward, Zaha at forward, Nicholas Pepe, Ahmad Diallo from Man United, um, Frank Kessier in midfield, Serge Arrière in the back, Eric Bailly in the back. Um, so they have all first-class talent. For the most part, I mean, Maxwell Cornet from Olympic Lyon, who who just signed for Burnley. Um, Wilfred Boney, who, you know, is kind of a has-been. But, I mean, they have talent. They have talent where they, they could, you know, you see them advancing at least to the next stage of qualifiers. So, huge bummer for sure. Um, but... For my cheer, I'm going to give it to uh, Alexander Mitrovic and really all of Serbia, but especially Alexander Mitrovic. Scored the goal to get them through against Portugal. Um, popped into the Premier League scene with Newcastle. Uh, and scored 17 goals in 65 matches from 2015 to 2018. Been prolific throughout a, a tenure at Fulham. I say tenure, it's been like three years. It feels like he's been there forever. Um, but since 2018, uh, while the team has really struggled, he's got six, 60 goals in 121 matches for them. He's represented Serbia since 2013 when he was 19. In 69 caps for Serbia, he has 44 goals, the most of any Serbian international. Um, and prior to, be, prior to being called up, he was part of their 2013 U19 team who won the U19 uh, Euros. So he's a country legend at only 27 years old. Awesome to see him. Obviously, with Fulham getting relegated, he hasn't really been in the spotlight, but um, awesome to see him get that credit and, and a little bit of shine on the national stage there. Yeah, for him to get Serbia to the point where they're all doing Cristiano Ronaldo celebration, <laughs> <laughs> like like talking shit, like for the, him to get an entire nation to do the UE, like. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And then, not only that, but he walked out afterwards, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it was him. It was either him or it was one of the other forwards. But I think it was him. He walked out and was, like, recording himself on the pitch in Portugal drinking Coca-Cola because Cristiano Ronaldo said, don't drink Coca-Cola. So, like, just complete shithousing. And it was like, that's that's what I love. Like, yeah. you, you took points in Portugal, so, of course, you're going to stomp all over Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> As you send him to the playoff, yeah. Wow, mm -hmm. I, I didn't see that. That's fucking hilarious. Um, for my belter, of course, Antonio was up there, but I actually went with Bergwijn. Um, yesterday against Norway, 
He received the ball in some space, was cutting in towards goal, and just took it first time, right foot, a little bit of swerve um, to the right on the ball when he hit it, put it top right corner, goalkeeper couldn't do a thing. Just super good hit. He probably had time to take a touch, but he just went in and hit it confidently and, and just ripped it. Um, so that's my belter. No booze for me. All positive over here this week. <laughs> Heading into the holidays. So Let's go. Yes, Thanksgiving next week. Here we go. Yep, yep. So um, that's it for me. You got any last-minute notes here, Tobes? Nope, just cheers. Thanks All for right. listening. Oh, follow us on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, we've been slacking a little bit on Instagram, but we've been around on Twitter, um, Tobes, with the salad. We, we out here, dude. We, yeah. we are out here. Yeah, so we'll be posting. I'm going to post another uh, change-making game, change of post, uh, a little bit of history for everybody. So um, we'll be a little more active on Instagram here moving forward. But until then, cheers. Cheers.